take your Bible, please. Turn to Lamentations chapter 3. We want to continue uh, working our way through Lamentations chapter 3 tonight. Uh, as turning there, I'll ask gentlemen if anyone has a quick praise. A uh, quick, quick one, simple one, Zach. Uh, we had a successful move. We did have a, you did have a successful move. Yes, you did. Praise God. Interviews are lined up, and it looks like God is answering prayers. We praise God for that. Amen. Anything else? Okay, uh, let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, uh, for Zach's praise. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for getting uh, he and Samantha moved uh, safely. And thank you for the interviews uh, for work that have been lined up. Pray you have your hand upon them, Lord. Help them to be yielded to you. Uh, help them, Lord, to be looking to you for all that they need. Now, Father, I pray that you will meet with us, Lord, here tonight. I pray, Father, that uh, give us a, a desire uh, to hear from you tonight. Lord, I pray that you give us a hunger and thirst for you uh, and your words. I pray, Father, that you would work here tonight in our midst, uh, Lord, for your honor and for your glory. Lord, as we uh, continue tonight in Lamentations, I pray that uh, we be reminded again that sin has consequences. Uh, and also, Lord, that there is hope uh, even in the midst of those consequences. There's a certain hope, Lord, in your grace and in your mercy and the wonderful future that uh, all people who know you, all people who know Christ, have. Lord, I pray we never lose sight of that uh, in this book filled with uh, difficulty and trial, uh, the captivity. Uh, I pray, Lord, that we never lose sight of Christ the answer, Christ, our solid rock, who uh, works in and through trials to accomplish our good and, and Lord, your glory. Father, help me now. I need that. Uh, I ask you for it. I pray for it. I ask you to work here now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in Lamentations chapter 3. Uh, we began, uh, brother, by looking at this book last week. Uh, we'll continue tonight. It's the longer one, right? It's, it's the one that has three verses for every Hebrew letter. Uh, and so that makes it 66 verses long, uh, 22 times 366, the Hebrew consonants that, that is. Rich, I remember when I was studying Hebrew, we got through the uh, 22 consonants. We had to learn them. We had about 10 days to do that. Had to be able to write them down very quickly. Uh, and then they throw the vowels at you. And there's a lot more vowels than consonants, Brother Garcia. I can't remember how many there are, but it was, you know, your heart kind of sunk. There's just 22 uh, consonants in Hebrew. Uh, three verses for each gives us 66 verses. We're not going to try to make it all the way through tonight, but we'll, we'll make it a little bit further here, uh, another third or so. Uh, remember that uh, this chapter, um, this dirge or lament, if you will, uh, pictures Judah as a uh, afflicted man. That man may be Jeremiah speaking uh, in the first person, or he may be speaking uh, more poetically rich, uh, simply picturing Judah uh, again as an afflicted man. We saw him picture Judah as a mourning widow, uh, as a weeping daughter, uh, and now as, as an afflicted man, just in case, guys, you were feeling left out. Uh, let's go back and uh, review a couple of verses. Uh, let's pick it up in verse 22. Uh, verse 22. So there's, there's been some lamenting, of course. Uh, and then uh, Jeremiah turns 
uh, hopefully toward the Lord, um, recalling that God is merciful. Uh, we saw verse 22, 23, 24. Let's see those verses again, and then we'll pick it up in new territory here, uh, beginning in verse 25. He writes in verse 22, it is of the Lord's mercies, Zach, we know this verse, that we are not consumed. He's a merciful God. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We, we talked a, a fair amount about that verse. Uh, we continued in verse 24. The Lord is my portion, Jeremiah writes, saith my soul. Therefore will, read the last four words with me, please. Will I hope in him? Uh, that's, that's the thing. Brother Ray, in the midst of everything that Judah was experiencing in the captivity, when things might have looked hopeless, when people might have concluded, hey, there's no hope, this is a hopeless situation, uh, we've been carried off to Babylon in three waves of, of captivities. Uh, here we are now. Um, it might have looked hopeless, but Jeremiah shares. He reminds uh, he reminds that there, there is hope in the Lord. He is merciful. Uh, he will work and correct his people uh, and restore a repentant remnant. Um, I want to move on now, uh, verses 25, 26, 27, and see uh, this idea. He, he writes about the goodness uh, of the Lord. Look, look in verse 25. He says, the Lord is good. Uh, and then he's going to give some conditions uh, Brother Ray, it would seem to be conditions for experiencing blessings that are consistent with God's goodness. I'm going to say it that way because um, God's attributes uh, aren't conditioned upon our performance, right? That God is God no matter what, right? He's gracious, he's merciful, he's loving, he's, he's all of those things no matter what we are, right? Our behavior toward God doesn't change who God is uh, or what God is like. We do well to keep that in mind. Uh, it does, um, what, what's variable, Brother Ray, is, is the degree to which we'll be blessed uh, or may be judged or, or corrected, right? That's, that's going to be conditioned upon, uh, relatively more conditioned upon our behavior. Uh, so we take care to say that uh, he's focusing here on the goodness of God and the blessings that would be consistent with the goodness of God uh, under certain conditions. And we'll see uh, several of those here. We'll see here, the Lord is good to those who wait on him uh, and to those who seek him and to those who hope in him. Uh, and then several verses which seem to imply those who, who yield to him. Uh, the Lord uh, blesses those who satisfy these conditions. And I, I think the, the way to see this is, again, uh, blessings consistent with who God is his, his, and his goodness uh, to those who, who comport themselves this way. So see verse 25 again, uh, the Lord is good. We could stop there and say amen. He is good, uh, but he doesn't. He, he continues, he says, the Lord is good uh, unto them that uh, wait on him. So that's the first thing I want to see here. Uh, the Lord is good unto them that wait on him. He'll, he'll go on and he'll say to the soul that seeketh him also. But first thing, make, make some notes here if you would. Just make, make a short list uh, for uh, specific conditions uh, to receive blessings that be consistent with God's goodness. 
First one, to those that uh, wait upon him. The Lord is good to those that uh, wait for him, uh, is how it's expressed here, or, or wait upon him. And we'll stop there and ask you this, guys, what does that mean? What, Brother Ray, what does it mean to wait upon the Lord? I think that's language that, you know, we see that in Scripture, we say it, maybe we hear it. What's it mean? Yeah, if you're, if you're praying, stay yielded to him, be patient, wait for his answer, wait for his leading. Uh, one person said waiting on the Lord involves placing our confidence in him and, and relying on uh, his perfect timing. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, guys, any other thoughts? Uh, waiting on the Lord, what, what does that mean? What does it mean? Go ahead. relinquishing total control of our lives, uh, yielding our lives completely over to him and, and waiting upon the Lord to guide, direct, to work, to supply, giving ourselves to him and asking, waiting upon him to, to use us as, as he sees fit. Uh, yeah, Zach, I, I would agree. Um, give you a couple cross-references, make a couple notes here. Psalm 27 in verse 14, the psalmist writes, wait on the Lord. That's a command, that's an imperative. Uh, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, uh, I say, upon the Lord. So uh, in that verse, there's a blessing in view for those who would obey the verse, right? Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and really it has the idea of uh, if, if you'll do that, then uh, he shall strengthen thy heart. He reiterates, wait, I say, uh, on the Lord. So many times in scripture you see blessings uh, described for those who would choose to wait upon the Lord, uh, yield themselves to him, give themselves to him, patiently uh, look to him for, for guidance uh, as a yielded person, one who is yielded to the Lord rather than uh, calling the, our own shots. Here's a verse that might be less familiar. Uh, make a note, please. Psalm 130 and verse 5 says this. The psalmist says, I wait for the Lord. That's a testimony. That'd be a good testimony, brother, right? Uh, someone might say, hey, why, why are you doing what you're doing? Hey, I'm waiting upon the Lord. That'd be a good answer, right? That'd be a good testimony. Uh, I wait for the Lord. He says, my soul, my, my being doth wait, uh, and in his word do I hope. Next verse says, my soul, my, my whole being, waiteth for the Lord. And he says, more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch uh, for the morning. Seemed to be an allusion to those night watchmen, right, who, are, uh, who, who would have their watches, those periods of time that they would uh, watch uh, around the, the walls of the city, right, looking for risks, dangers that, that might be approaching. Zach, their, their greatest hope would be the coming of morning, right, because that would probably nor normally mean, well, my watch is done, but the danger of night is, is come and gone also. So they, they would really desire the coming of morning. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. His word do I trust. My soul waiteth for the Lord more uh, than they that watch for the morning. Uh, so uh, an illustration there of, of the, the intensity that he, uh, he, uh, he waits for the Lord. Uh, Rich, I wonder um, if we ask the Lord to kind of search our hearts today and say, Lord, am I really given myself, have I really given myself over to you? Am I, am I really uh, waiting upon you the way I should be? Is my confidence really in you the way that uh, it should be? Maybe tonight as we uh, conclude our lesson, we'll, we'll pray, Lord, search our hearts 
and show us if, if we've really learned to wait upon you or not. Uh, Lord, if, if we've uh, not grown in patience uh, to wait upon you, show us that. Give us hearts to uh, pray tonight. So uh, there is a blessing in store here for those who wait upon the Lord, number one, uh, in verse 25. The second part uh, of verse 25, he continues, Jeremiah continues, he says, first of all, he says, Lord is good unto them that wait for him, comma. Then number two, uh, to the soul that seeketh him. Uh, to the soul that seeketh him. What does that mean? Sounds maybe kind of obvious. Brother Ray, what's it mean to seek the Lord? <laughs> what, what does that mean? You're, you're looking to him. You're... you're you're looking to him. Good. Uh, I like that answer. Uh, sorry if I'm evaluating your answer, sir, but I do like that. Um, you, you're looking to the Lord for every, everything that you need. You're looking to him for guidance in everything that you do. Uh, your, your life is, is for him. You have a relationship with him. You seek him in the morning. You seek him in the noontime. You seek him in the evening. Um, you're uh, a man of prayer. You're, you're a man of his words. Uh, you're not ignoring the Lord as you go throughout your day. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you have days where you kind of lay your head on the pillow at night and you get kind of convicted. Hey, I feel like I've kind of been ignoring the Lord a little bit today. Not, I really haven't prayed like I should have. I really haven't been in the Bible the way I should have. Maybe not at all. Uh, I have not sought the Lord today. I've been, I've been kind of going through my day more like someone who doesn't know him at all. You get, you get convicted about that, so you confess that. You pray, Lord, um, give me a heart to pray right now. Uh, give me a heart maybe to open my Bible right now. Uh, the Lord is good unto them that seeketh him, who start seeking him and, and continue uh, to seek him. And Rich, I think it's, it's the continuing to seek him daily. That's the challenge, right? We, we can get off track. We can, um, we can um, not maintain a habit of seeking the Lord uh, each day. Let me give you a couple cross-references quickly. Get these down, please. Psalm 27 and verse 8. The psalmist says, When thou saidst, seek ye my face, is praying, obviously, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. He's saying, Lord, you told me to seek your face. And so in my heart, I said to you, Lord, I, I will seek you. Uh, thy face, Lord, will I seek. And uh, Zach, sometimes they, we, we have to just do that, right? We understand the Lord wants him to seek, at, seek him continually. Um, and so we just have to make a decision to do that, right? You uh, if you don't make a decision, sometimes it's easy to continue in, in old habits and in old patterns. Uh, very little tends to change in, in terms of, Brother Ray, in terms of making a new habit until you make a decision to do that, right? Uh, if you don't make a decision to do something new, we tend to continue doing what we've always done. Uh, the psalmist says, hey, I understood the Lord desired me to seek his face e each day. And so I made a decision in my heart, in my heart to do that. And you can look to the Lord to actually honor that decision each day. Psalm 34 and verse 10, the interesting verse, the psalmist says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Uh, again, the idea of blessings for those who are serious about seeking the Lord. 
taking care to maintain a close, intimate, personal relationship uh, with him each day. That begins in the heart with the decision to do that, uh, and, it, and it continues with an ongoing commitment to do that. Sometimes you just have to pray, Lord, help me, right? Or, you know, Lord, yesterday, I, I, I got to be honest, as you know, I, I really didn't seek you, but I'm I'm, today I'm going to try to do that, Lord, with your help, uh, with your grace, with your strength. I'm going to ask you to uh, help me uh, today uh, to seek your face. Uh, so the Lord is good, number one, uh, to those that wait on him. Number two, uh, to those who seek him. Uh, number three, to those uh, number three, to those who hope in him. There we go. Uh, to those that hope in him. See verse 26. Uh, Jeremiah writes, it is good that a man should both hope uh, and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for a man to hope uh, and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Uh, Rich, why would a verse like that be so relevant to people who were in the captivity? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's at least implied here, right? Uh, it's good that a man should both hope, uh, don't lose hope, he's saying. Uh, it's good, the Lord is good, and he desires that you would hope. Uh, it's good that you would hope and quietly wait for the salvation uh, here, salvation will be salvation from or rescue from the Babylonians, right? Uh, wait for the salvation or rescue uh, of the Lord. Uh, if the Lord is saying through Jeremiah that that's good, Brother Ray, what would you conclude? If something is good to do, probably we should do that, right? Uh, listen, can, can we make an application? Now, I, I know those verses were written uh, first to those in, in the captivity, but Gary, can we make an application here tonight? Can we make an application in our own lives from, from verse 26? I think we can. <laughs> I think we can. Uh, you know, you're, you're going through a trial. Uh, everybody's got trials. Uh, you, you, can, you can choose to hope knowing that there is hope in the Lord. What will be the opposite of quietly waiting for the Lord to deliver you from a trial? What will be the opposite of that? Zach? Running around frantic. <laughs> we do that sometimes, right? You ever find yourself running around frantically, uh, not quite sure what to do, so you just do everything you can think to do? Uh, that's probably not the best thing, right? Um, what, what else? Um, if, if we are not choosing to hope and quietly wait uh, patiently, uh, if we're not choosing to hope and to wait upon the Lord uh, and to quietly wait, see that word there, quietly wait, uh, what, what, what might you be doing with your mouth, Zach? If you're not quietly waiting upon the Lord in the midst of a trial, how, what might be coming out of your mouth? Maybe complaining. Maybe complaining. Anybody ever complain? Can anybody, Brother Ray, can you ever remember a time that you complain? I mean, that's our, that's our go-to, right? That's the easiest thing in the world. Uh, Lord, help me to hope. Give me, give me a heart to hope in you uh, and to wait upon you and to do that <laughs> quietly uh, rather than complaining. Uh, of course, we see lots of complaining in Scripture. We famously think of complaining in the... 
uh, in the wilderness uh, as, as the Lord, even as the Lord provided, they were complaining about his provision. Uh, we saw reference allusions to that on Sunday morning in 1 Corinthians 10. Lord, help us. It's good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. This would have been incredibly important for those in the captivity to understand, but it's important for us to understand also. Uh, Psalm 71, verse 5, the psalmist says, For thou, it's a prayer, For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Lord, you're my hope. Uh, you are my only real hope. You are my ultimate hope. Uh, you, are, you are the one whom I can trust. Uh, Romans 15 and verse 13 is a verse that you may know. Uh, it begins this way, Paul writing to the church members there in Rome. He says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to read it once more, if that's okay. Uh, he says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that or so that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Um, if you can't hope or you're struggling uh, to maintain hope, uh, to, to whom or to where should one look, Brother Gary? To the Lord. Yeah, he's the God of hope. He's the source of hope. Uh, if you feel hopeless, well, okay, that's, that's how I feel. Brother, you, gotta, you turn back to the Lord, right? Uh, Lord, I know from the Bible that you are the God of hope. You, you are the source of hope. If, if I feel helpless, I need to turn myself to the Lord. Uh, this is a prayer. Paul is praying this prayer for the church members at Rome. He's praying the God of hope would fill them with joy and peace in believing that or so that they could abound in hope through the power uh, of the Holy Ghost. And so that verse makes it clear that the, the person of the Holy Spirit specifically uh, has a role, of course, in dwelling us in, in producing a hope in our spirit. Lord, help us. Uh, to remember, as we've said a number of times recently, we should be the most hopeful people. We understand sometimes we don't feel that way. And so uh, we can pray to the God of hope uh, for uh, hope and, and know that we can find that in him through the power uh, of the Holy Ghost. Act. It's not something we kind of conjure up in ourselves. It's not something we psych ourselves up into, stand in front of the mirror and kind of, you know, do the positive affirmation thing that people do. That's No, that's not how it works. It's prayerfully seeking the Lord and, and, and prayerfully asking him for uh, the hope that, that we should have. Uh, and so we see uh, the Lord is good. Uh, and he is good. He, there's blessings that reflect his goodness for those who wait on him, number one, seek him, number two, uh, hope in him, number three. Uh, and I'm going to summarize the next several verses this way. He's good to those um, who yield to him, uh, who yield to him. And of course, that's, that's been a theme uh, here for a time. Uh, the next several verses... Um, It'll become clear in a verse or, within a verse or two. Uh, Jeremiah is picturing um, an ox. There's a reference in verse 27 to uh, a yoke. Of course, the yoke is the device that would tie, uh, uh, tie together, if you will, two oxen, brother Ray, uh, and, and kind of direct so that the the one guiding them could, in fact, direct them. And 
it, we, we understand that. We, we've studied that word and how the yoke worked. Uh, look at verse 27. Uh, it is good uh, for a man uh, that he bear the yoke in his youth. I'm going to read another verse or two. Uh, verse 28, he sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. Uh, verse 29, he putteth his mouth in the dust. If so, be there, uh, if so be, there may be hope. Uh, and so I think here in, in these several verses, you could see there's probably, uh, Brother A, a picture uh, of an ox who is yielded to his driver uh, and, and quietly uh, submitted, yielded to, not, not complaining against, uh, but, but yielded to the one who is guiding him, directing him uh, to accomplish the work. And this is good. There's, there's a blessing in store uh, for this oxen, if you will. Uh, but ultimately, it's, it's picturing people, right? People uh, who would quietly submit ourselves to the one who is our guide, uh, the one who directs us in the labors to which he calls us, uh, probably the idea here is this is a very poetic several verses here. Uh, people in the captivity would, would understand oxen and yoke and uh, all of that. With the illustration would be very familiar to them, but uh, this would seem to be the idea. Uh, he sitteth, verse 28, sitteth alone, keep in silence. Uh, the oxen doesn't complain about what is laid before him. He, he is yielded to the one who is driving him. Uh, through the field that as he uh, completes the work that he's called to. Uh, verse 29, he put his mouth in the dust, if so be there may be hope. Uh, a mouth in the dust is thought to be a, a metaphor of submissiveness also, uh, probably is, is the idea, a picture of submissiveness. Uh, how important is it to yield and to submit ourselves to the Lord? How important is that? Brother Gary, help me out, sir. Absolutely critical, absolutely imperative. It's the missing part in so many, the lives of so many believers, right? We're saved and we know it, but not yielded. Uh, and so blessings may be missing, but our relationships may, our relationship with the Lord may suffer. Um, there, there's, there's just not nearly as much that can be accomplished. No, very little uh, growth can be accomplished till we learn to be truly yielded to the Lord. We're naturally complainers. Lord, help us to be yielded. Lord, help us to be yielded to you. Um, verse 30 is interesting. Um, it comes right on the heels of 27, 28, 29. Uh, it may also um, continue the metaphor or analogy of the submissive ox. But here the verse, um, there, there may be someone else in, in view here. Uh, he giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. Uh, he is filled full with reproach. That's very interesting. Um, isn't that interesting? Um, who do you think of? Am I right? I mean, he's just right there. You, you can't help but think, wow, um, that, that surely sounds like a reference to Christ, an allusion to Christ. Uh, why is that here? <laughs> he giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. Uh, he is filled full with reproach. And of, of course, Christ did. He, uh, he voluntarily suffered all that he suffered, Brother Ray. He didn't need to. Uh, he chose to yield himself, to submit himself 
uh, to the Father's plan. Uh, pretty, pretty clearly, this is an allusion to Christ and to his coming as a submissive servant relative to the cross and plan of the Father, at least. Um, and so probably is placed here uh, in the context of these prior verses that also picture, uh, also picture yieldedness and, and submissiveness uh, to one who is guiding and directing uh, work. Um, did Christ yield and submit to one who guided and directed him in, in accomplishing a plan, Zach? Yeah, he most certainly did. Now, what's the value of that? What's the value of that to someone in the captivity? What's the, why is that here? Why is that here? Thoughts? You know, you, you look at that and you wonder if someone in the captivity would have necessarily understood that that's Christ. I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, what is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure that I would have. In fact, I'm decently sure I wouldn't have, short of the Holy Spirit stepping in and saying, hey, that's the Messiah who's going to come and yield. Um, and, you know, we'll um, you know, be the one who's described in Isaiah 53 and, and Psalm 22 and, and so forth. Um, these are folks that would have had Isaiah 53 and other similar passages. So, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit would step in and kind of connect some of the dots here. But um, the, certainly it, it fits here. I mean, anyone who would have understood the, 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 the submission of Christ to the plan of the Father, quietly enduring uh, the suffering that he was called to, Brother Ray, you know, that, that's, that's a, an example to be emulated as, as the Lord is correcting these people. They could be uh, complaining, crying out, complaining. Uh, verse 28, the oxen keep with silence. Uh, they, they, they could have been complaining and speaking against the Lord, um, not, not yielding and humbling themselves before him. Um, or they could yield themselves to the Lord, be corrected, uh, in that yieldedness, repent, yield to the Lord, submit themselves to him uh, as the Messiah ultimately would, as the oxen in this picture here does. Um, whether or not they would have understood this as an allusion to Christ who would come in the future, uh, I think it's pretty clear that uh, these four verses, 27 through 30, they're a call to, to yield and to submit uh, to the Lord and to his plan. Uh, Zach, to not kick against the pricks, to not, to not buck against the pricks or kick against the pricks, but uh, to yield to God's plan. Get, be, be corrected. Be corrected. Don't, don't speak against him. Don't stop doing against him. Be corrected. Uh, repent, yield, and look to him for uh, blessings. Now, was there hope uh, for those who would do that? Um, was there a hope of blessings being restored to those who would yield as the good oxen or uh, yield as the submissive servant who, who is Christ? Is, is, was there hope, Zach, uh, for those, for a repentant remnant who, who would comport themselves as these verses describe, um, yeah, there, there's a great hope. 
And the next several verses paint out that hope in these, again, these people uh, who would have no doubt been feeling so hopeless. Uh, Jeremiah is delivering this message from the Lord. Hey, God is good and he's prepared to be good to you uh, if you will, uh, if you will what? If, if you'll wait on him, seek him, hope in him, yield to him, finally, uh, stop bucking against him, uh, yield to him, uh, he, he's going to be good to you. Uh, there's great hope for those of you who would uh, take up this call to, to um, comport themselves accordingly. The next several verses paint out this hope. He, um, Jeremiah reflects on uh, hope uh, in God's mercy, number one. We'll look at a few of these verses, then we'll, we'll probably stop and, and uh, pray. Uh, there's hope in God's mercy. There's hope in God's justice and righteousness. There's hope in uh, God's sovereignty. Uh, there, there, there's hope that if they would just yield and get right with the Lord, uh, they could expect his mercy. They could expect him uh, to be just and righteous toward them. They could expect, uh, there, there's hope that because God has sovereignty to uh, be good to them as a blessing for uh, getting right with him. So see in verse 31, number one, there, there's hope because of the Lord's mercy. That was true for the people in the captivity. It's true for us tonight. Uh, we, we can have hope because God is merciful. There's all kinds of reasons we can be hopeful, but one of them is, is God's mercy. Uh, verse 31, for the, uh, famously, for the Lord will not cast off forever. Uh, people in captivity would certainly have understood that. He's He's not cast them out of the land or out of his presence forever, uh, verse 32. But uh, instead of that, uh, though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to, read the last uh, part of the verse with me, according to the multitude of his mercies. Uh, and so, I mean, that, that verse would be incredibly encouraging to someone in the captivity, uh, sure enough, you're suffering because of your refusal to get right with the Lord. But he's prepared to be good to you, uh, to bless you, uh, if, if you'll get right with him. And there, there's a certain hope here, if you will. Uh, bear in mind, he's a merciful God. Uh, he's going to act toward you according to the multitude uh, of his mercies. Look at the first part of, uh, first part of verse 32 for a moment, please. Uh, but though he caused grief, Zach, who led the people into the captivity? Who caused the captivity? Yeah, I mean, they, the people caused it in their disobedience, but ultimately it would, we see just another uh, reference here tonight, the fact that, yeah, the, the Lord authored that, and he ultimately is the one that led them into captivity uh, as a consequence of their sin. Um, look at the next several verses here. There's a a hope that is available to these who would repent and get right with him uh, because God is, is just and, and righteous to uh, reward the people for their uh, repentance. Uh, look at verse 33. For he doth not afflict willingly uh, nor grieve the children of men. It's not his desire uh, to correct people. It's his desire to bless people. Uh, it's not his desire to grieve the children of men. It's not his desire that people would be in the captivity. Uh, his desire is that they would be right with him and blessed by him. Uh, verse 34, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth. Uh, that's not his will. That's not his desire. 
uh, to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord uh, approveth not. Uh, he, it's not his desire to uh, be correcting. Uh, it's not his, neither is it his desire to treat the people unjustly or for that matter that any of them uh, would treat each other unjustly. And so there's a suggestion here uh, of his justice. If they would get right, Brother Ray, they could reasonably expect him to demonstrate his goodness by restoring his blessings to them. They have a hope of that because God is a merciful God. Uh, and they also have a hope uh, in uh, the restoration of blessing, uh, not only because he's merciful, because, but because he's able to do that. He's a sovereign God uh, is who, just as he was able to step into history uh, and cause the Babylonians to carry the people off to Babylon, three waves of captivity, uh, he, he is sovereignly able to step into history uh, and rescue them. Uh, to give them salvation from, from the same. Uh, and that would be part of their hope also. Hey, uh, God is good. He wants to be good to us. If we'll get right with him, uh, he, he, he's saying he will be good to us. We, we can have hope in the fact that that will be the case uh, because he is, in fact, a merciful God. Uh, he's a merciful God, he's a just God, he's a righteous God, and he's a God who actually is able uh, to end correction and to restore blessings. See verse 37. Um, it's a question. Uh, the question is this. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? <laughs> Who is it that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? Uh, who could who could speak something uh, into um, existence or uh, prophesy something uh, unless the Lord was in it, unless that was God's desire? There's maybe an allusion here to uh, prophets uh, who were not prophets of the Lord back in Jerusalem uh, around the time of the in the beginning of, of the captivity. Maybe false prophets here. Uh, but I think the, the bigger picture, Brother Ray, is that nobody speaks against the Lord's will. Uh, nothing, nothing can be accomplished against the Lord's will. Why is that? Cause us to ask the question, why is that? Because he's sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's powerful. Uh, you, you can't accomplish anything that he doesn't desire to be accomplished because he's more powerful. He's he is completely sovereign and, and totally, completely omnipotent. You, know, you, can't, be, um, you can't be partially omnipotent. Um, one man observes that um, in Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar came to understand that the Lord's sovereignty. Uh, Daniel 4, verse 35, we'll, we'll go a verse or two here and we'll stop, uh, says this, uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, he learned, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he, the Lord, doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay in his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? He's sovereign. No one can say against him or, or accomplish anything that is against his will. Uh, is that encouraging? Is that encouraging? People in captivity 
uh, no doubt would have been encouraged. Yep, sure enough, we're being corrected. But if we will do what is good in God's eyes, he will be good to bless us. He's a merciful God, so we can hope in, in these truths. Uh, he's just God. We can hope that he will act justly toward us. If we get right, uh, he will be good to us. Brother Ray, we can hope in these truths because he's God who actually can uh, accomplish these things. Now, uh, is God blessing still? Amen. Uh, Brother Ray, is God still correcting? Is he correcting people still? Amen. Uh, is there still a hope of the lifting of God's correction and the restoration of his blessing when people get right with him? Yes, there is. So the principles of what, are be, what is being said to people in captivity remains absolutely true uh, for us tonight. Hopefully that's, hopefully that's an encouragement tonight. Let's stop there and pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, tonight that you're a just God. You're righteous, God. Lord, I thank you tonight that you're a God who loves us perfectly. You desire to bless us. But in your love, you also correct us when correction is needed. Lord, thank you for that. Father, I thank you tonight that when we're in the midst of correction, there is hope for the trial to end. Lord, we understand tonight that we can simply humbly repent and reasonably expect you to demonstrate your goodness toward us. Lord, I'm reminded tonight that sin does have practical consequences that may endure or persist beyond our repentance. But also know tonight that you're, you're a good God who desires to bless your people in the face of repentance. Lord, thank you. Father, thank you tonight for the hope that we can know in the midst of our own trials. You're a good God. You desire to bless people who act rightly toward you. Lord, you're a merciful God. You're a gracious God. You are a just God. You're a sovereign God. Thank you tonight, Father, for the reminder that you are not just merciful and just and good, but you're a God who has the power act according to those attributes toward us. Lord, I understand tonight that we do not deserve your goodness. Well, thank you tonight. That's possible because of Christ, the one who pretty clearly is alluded to in this passage tonight. Thank you for a savior who was willing to humbly yield and submit to your plan for our salvation. Lord, I pray tonight that you give us hearts to humbly yield and submit to your plan for our lives. 
waiting upon you, seeking you each day, hoping in you, and yielding ourselves to you. Church, give you a moment to pray. Lord, I thank you tonight that there's always hope in the face of lamentable things. Help us never lose sight of that. Lord, help us bear in mind tonight that that is true because of Christ. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Let's stand together if you're able to. We'll turn to number 214, 214. All right, please do stand with me as we turn to 214. We'll sing all three verses of All the Way, My Savior Leads Me, number 214. Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread, gives me grace for every trial, leads me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter, and my soul a thirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, though a spring of joy I see. Gushing from the rock before me, though a spring of joy I see. All the way my Savior leads me, oh, the fullness of his love. Perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's house above. The Spirit, clothed immortal, wings its flight to realms of day. This my song through endless ages, Jesus, me all the way. This my song through endless ages, Jesus, led me all the way. Amen. You may be seated.